whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Hey there, friends. Karen Pennington here. And I have a confession to make. Again, uh, don't tell my husband, but um, sometimes I'm wrong. Probably more than I'd like to admit. And okay, seriously, my husband probably knows better than anyone else on this planet how wrong I can be sometimes. He's, he's usually fairly gracious about it unless I'm at the point in my wrongness where I'm telling him he's wrong. And that can cause a little bit of problems. We, we're doing okay. But, you know, we've had some times where we both knew we were right. And sometimes we were both wrong when we both knew we were right. But in this case, uh, I'm confessing this to you. And I'll chalk this up to another daily adventure in grace. Uh, but also I need to take responsibility for it as somebody who tries to talk about the word of God with integrity and with some sort of knowledge. Uh, yesterday I ranted and some of you may have seen it, but I took it back down, (laughs) but I gave a little bit of rant about entitlement and about people who, um, just do nothing and expect everything and how we tend to have that as, children of God, even I know that I even struggle with it, not in the sense that I feel like I don't want to work or don't do anything, but in the sense that sometimes I feel like I'm entitled to have exactly what I want the way I want it, free of trouble or challenge because I try to be a faithful child of God. And that's just not what the Bible promises. A lot of times that's not even where our joy comes from. You know, our joy doesn't come from ease or getting what we want. In fact, sometimes people who get too much of that, um, you know, we get jaded, we get spoiled. And, um, so that in itself was an okay conclusion, but I may have drawn the wrong scripture to bring me to that conclusion. Sometimes when we believe something, we read it into the Bible. We read things into the Bible that aren't there. And, um, I have in the past been very critical of others who've done that. And I think yesterday may have been a time when I did that, Um, and so I'm trying to rectify it without even really having a full answer for you, but that's, what's great about God's word. It's not about always seeking an answer. Like this is the factoid that will make me whole. It's about seeking the person of God. And it's about that daily journey and that daily struggle. And dare I say, sometimes even the mistakes are kind of a fun part of the journey, not that we try to make mistakes. We don't have to try to make mistakes. It's just really easy to make them even when we're not trying. But just even in the discovery of our mistakes and the moving forward, that brings new light on things and it gives us some, it just gives us a new sense of joy. Um, I will say that's not the first time I misjudge. I misjudge a lot when I'm watching a television show. Like Ben and I, uh, not even television, it's like live streaming shows now, uh, or, or internet shows, but we, we watch shows and we enjoy trying to figure out what happened, you know, like for watching a mystery, 
who did it or what's going to happen or is there something about this person's past like we try to and like it's like almost like a contest who can figure out first and sometimes I'll figure and I'll yell it out and Ben's like I just said that I don't know if he just said it or not maybe he did some he he does he tends to figure things out quicker than me but so I thought I had something figured out yesterday and I missed a piece of the story since I talk about scripture in my own reading and how it hits me and I every day and I I missed it. I I did this rookie mistake. I didn't make sure I had the rest of the story before I made the judgment. And then I just got really mad. (laughs) So I was talking about Mephibosheth and King David and Ziba, Mephibosheth's servant. Um, I guess I should give you a little bit of a background because you probably didn't see what I posted because as soon as I read the rest of the story, I went, oh crud, I made a mistake and pulled everything down. But, um, so here's the story. We know that King David was the king of Israel, the king after God's own heart. We know there was a king before him named King Saul. Uh, king Saul started out okay. Actually, he kind of started out a coward. Then he found his courage. He became a mighty warrior. Started doing great things for the Lord, but then he got ahead of himself and started making his own judgments outside of God's will. And because of that, they lied about it a little bit too. Because of that, God removed his anointing upon Saul as king and he anointed David. David was very faithful to Saul. Saul saw David's faithfulness and at first really loved him for it. Saw everything that David had accomplished for the kingdom and at first really loved him for it, but then got very jealous when David became more popular than Saul, than Saul did. So this King David, who was anointed to be the next king of Israel, Saul just went after him, went after him, tried to kill him for at least 10 years, would like randomly throw spears at him while he was like playing a harp to try to make Saul feel better. It's, I mean, he went kind of crazy, but um, in the end, David still showed kindness to Saul, still showed loyalty to Saul's family in many ways. And in that way, um, really kind of, won over Saul's kinsmen. Now, Israelites were all like the children and descendants of Israel, but there were different tribes. And David and Saul were from different tribes. And the tribe of Benjamin that Saul was from was a tough one, um, kind of known for fighting and fighting with other tribes. And But David won them over. And um, so Saul had this grandson, Mephibosheth. And it was making me mad because it felt like David had given him everything and he just returned it with uh, bit the hand that fed him maybe still makes me mad to think about it so there are only five passages that talk about Mephibosheth um the first passage is for second Samuel 4 that talks about how when Mephibosheth was five that's when his father and grandfather were killed in a battle against another army not David but in a battle against another army at that point his nursemaid tried to escape with him There was some catastrophic fall. Mephibosheth became lame in two feet and ended up having to live at the mercy of another person living in his household. Um, We know that David uh, really wanted to show kindness to Saul's descendants. Um, Again, it was part of part of it was political trying to win over Benjaminites. But part of it was really wanting to honor the fact that Saul had been anointed king before him and also this wonderful very close relationship he had with Saul's son Jonathan which by all accounts seemed to have been the best friend he ever had you know very loyal to him 
even despite all things and really spoke up for him against his father, you know, to his father Saul. So he found out about Jonathan's son Mephibosheth, who was lame in both feet, gave him all of Saul's land, gave him a servant, Ziba, who had been Saul's servant and all of Ziba's servant and all of Ziba's sons. So this was ended up being 36 people altogether. And then said, so they're going to farm the land. They're going to give you the produce of the land and, you know, the livestock of the land and all of that and you're not gonna have to work for it but you're also not gonna need it because you can eat at the king's table every day so I really took care of him basically an orphaned child who was destitute you know and took care of him um, not because he deserved it not because he had done anything to merit it but partly just out of grace and partly out of this this connection he had with um, Mephibosheth's father who had been so loyal to him and um, so this is what I had read when there was a little bit of an insurrection from David's son and David had to flee just temporarily before regaining his barons and getting his kingdom back. Um, some people took sides of David's son, the one who was you know, rebelling against him. And so he's at the outside of the city kind of fleeing for his life. And um, here comes Ziba, um, who was the servant of Mephibosheth. And... Uh, I was just honoring Ziba yesterday when I was talking because I said, you know, if anything, he had been kind of demoted. He was the king's servant, and now he was the servant of a deposed king's orphan grandchild who really wasn't known for any kind of honor. He was he, he was known for not being able to do stuff, you know. So it says in Second uh, Samuel 16, when David had gone a short distance beyond the summit, there was Ziba, the steward of Mephibosheth waiting to meet him. He had a string of donkeys saddled and loaded with 200 loaves of bread, a hundred cakes of raisin, a hundred cakes of figs and a skin of wine. The king asked Ziba, why have you brought these? Ziba answered, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, the bread and fruit for men to eat, and the wine to refresh those who become exhausted in the desert. Well, so it sounds like he's being a great guy, right? The king then asked, where's your master's grandson? Ziba said to him, he's staying, in, he's staying in Jerusalem because he thinks today the house of Israel will give me back my grandfather's kingdom. Then the king said to Ziba, all that belonged to Mephibosheth is now yours. I humbly bow, said Ziba. May I find favor in your eyes, my lord, the king. That's four verses that made me so mad because I'm like, that little ingrate, he didn't do anything. And it's like when I'm watching a show and it's, you get so invested in the character's but I, I forget here, this is like real people. This wasn't just characters in a show. And I'm just mad and like, how dare he? How dare he? And so I did this whole show about entitlement and about how dare we go after things that aren't, aren't ours to have. And this reminds me of what we do with God. And I know I do this too. And it felt lovely, but I really, really, it's been couple years a year or two since I've really in-depth read the story and I missed something this is why I need to read through the whole Bible every year because I missed something so um David squelches the rebellion unfortunately his son Absalom dies um and he mourns that but he comes back in the city and um second <laughs> Samuel 19 here's the other side of the story Mephibosheth Saul's grandson also went down to meet the king he had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his mustache or washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day he returned safely. When he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king asked him, Why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? He said, 
My lord the king, since your servant, since I, your servant, am lame, I said, I will have my donkey saddled and will ride on it, so I can go with the king. But Ziba, my servant, betrayed me. <laughs> so he's either really faithful or a real jerk, the Ziba, right? And he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. My lord the king is like an angel of God, so do whatever pleases you. All of my grandfather's descendants deserve nothing but death from my lord the king. But you gave your servant a place among those who eat at your table. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to the king? So I read this and went, oh no, how did I forget this part of the story? How did I not read forward? I honestly don't know which one was right. Because like on one hand, you have Mephibosheth who was Saul's grandchild, it's not been uncommon for someone whose father or grandfather had been king to try to retake the throne. We don't know anything about his character. I mean, he's obviously sucking up to the king right now. Who wouldn't if their life was at stake? We know that his life's at stake right now. We know that his property's at stake right now. We know the favor of the king is very much at stake right now. So it's very possible that he did that and Ziba being faithful, always having been faithful to the king, whomever it might have been, was being faithful to the king, you know, and said, okay, I only serve Mephibosheth as far as Mephibosheth serves David. On the other hand, you have Ziba, who had been faithful to Saul and had really been demoted. You know, he had, he had his servants and things like that, and he was in a good place, and all of a sudden he had to work the land and work it for deposed king's lame grandson, you know, and he would have had plenty of, this was his shot, you know, he probably knew he was going to get the kingdom. This was his shot. He knew, probably knew David was going to win. David was obviously the greater warrior. It doesn't show, it doesn't say in scriptures that Absalom, his son, the son who was rising against him had even gone to war. So we knew David was the warrior and the conqueror. So he's like, I'm casting my lot with the one who wins all the time, you know, um, even against odds. So it's possible that Ziba was an opportunist. It's possible that Mephibosheth was trying to be, was just a really dumb, unwise opportunist of his own. It's possible that the reason that he had been unkempt is because his servants left him and he didn't know how to take care of himself because he never had. Might not have been in mourning for the king. You know, so him being in a pitiful state would have happened either way. So I'm going back and forth in my head. I'm like, was Mephibosheth wrong? Or was Zeba wrong? One of them had lied to the king. One of them had betrayed their master. And I, what do you do? What do you do when you don't have the answer? I get like, I, I've been through this, especially being in, you know, elementary school or even high school. Have you ever had an issue between two kids and both of them? Absolutely. One of them's being a good liar or one of them's missing the point. But you're not sure which one's right. You're just not sure. He hit me. No, he hit me. He said this. She said this. How do you decide when you have two different sides of the story? And how do you know? You know, how do you know? And sometimes you don't know. Um, sometimes you don't know. Um, I'm so, so glad that we have 
James 1, which I'll go to later, which, which talks about wisdom from God. But in this case, David didn't know. I'll tell you what he did. And this is one of those cases where I can't tell you if he was right or he was wrong. I can't even tell you if he sought God. We're just going to tell the story right now. And let you, you can draw your own conclusions in light of God's grace. I think David knew on one hand, Ziba met him in a time of need. Ziba had, whether Ziba lied or not, Ziba had met him in a time of need and given him things that he needed and honored him as the king, whether or not he dishonored Mephibosheth, whether or not he lied to him, he had given him food and he said, I'm coming with you when he could have stayed in Jerusalem with Absalom. And I think David wanted to honor that. He didn't know if he lied or not. And about Mephibosheth, um, I don't know if there was anything in Mephibosheth himself that compelled David, except for one thing. He was the son of Jonathan. <laughs> Mephibosheth's daddy saved him more than once, even after death. Um, in 1 Samuel twenty forty two, there was a covenant between David and Jonathan reaffirmed. Uh, 1 Samuel talks several times about how close David and Jonathan were, how loyal Jonathan was to David. In fact, his loyalty probably saved David's life more than once with his father Saul. And um, they said, and, and John, Jonathan said, may the Lord be, be the witness between you and me and our descendants. So David had made a holy oath to Jonathan to take care of his descendants, Jonathan's descendants. So even a few chapters later, 2 Samuel 21, Saul was still bringing trouble to the kingdom because he had killed a bunch of people that were Gibeonites whom had had, there's like this all through time and space oath between the Israelites and the Gibeonites that they would be, live peacefully together and, and Saul killed them and a lot of them. And so there was back in the ancient days, a demand for blood to make up for this, uh, you know, life for life, pound for pound, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, you know, this was before Christ came in. So they demanded some of Saul's descendants and David allowed them to do that as part of treaties, wars, whatever you want to call it, of ancient time. And But he wouldn't let him touch Mephibosheth once again because he was the son of Jonathan, whose memory David was honoring and whose oath to Jonathan David was honoring. So what did he do? Verse 29. Samuel, 2 Samuel 19.29 The king said to him, Why say more? I order you and Ziba to divide the fields. So rather than one of them got half of what they were owed. <laughs> and one of them escaped death. And we will never know which one is which. Uh, sometimes that drives me nuts. Because sometimes we look at the word and there's not a clear answer. Well, there's not an answer that we like. God always gives us the answers we need. He just doesn't always give us the answers we want. Um, sometimes in our lives it's very hard to make the right decision and to know if it's just. Sometimes we don't see everything. Um, more often than not, even when we think we see everything, we'll make a judgment so quickly based on our emotions. Yesterday... I made this judgment based on my emotions and I don't 
know if Mephibosheth was right or wrong. I know I didn't see everything that was in front of me. I missed something. It won't, not the first, won't be the last time, even when searching scripture and trying faithfully to interpret it, that I miss something. We do that. Um, fortunately, we serve a God of grace. But when we're really trying to make these decisions, I wasn't David. I didn't have to decide who died and who got the kingdom and who, I didn't have to decide those things. I don't even like deciding, I don't like deciding where we're going to d- eat dinner, you know, I when we go out. I, I don't like deciding what meat we're eating tonight for dinner. I'd rather my husband just pull it out of the freezer and decide himself. But So it says in James 1, I'm going to get to this. If any of you lacks wisdom, this is 1-5, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. I don't know what the right answer was with Mephibosheth. I think it's a really cool story. I think it's an interesting story. It's an engaging story. And David did what he thought was best. I don't know if it was right or wrong. I don't know if he sought God. But I can tell you, even in light of this and the answers, we serve a God who will give us wisdom. The problem is not usually that we're not hearing God. I'll say it in my case, too. The problem is usually that we're not asking. And when we can't hear God, it's usually because we've muddied things up so much or because we're not doing what we know. I still have times in my life where I want to know where am I supposed to work next year? Who am I supposed to choose for this? What am I supposed to give for this? How am I supposed to answer this? And sometimes it's like there's a log jam. I'm not hearing God for things that I don't need to know but I'm not listening and doing the things I do know. I still need to get up in the morning. I know that. I need to honor and love my husband. I know that. I need to be kind to my neighbors and pay my bills. There's work in the house I need to do. So I challenge you. I challenge me. Because <laughs> obviously I got it wrong yesterday. Um, are you seeing the full picture of what's being given to you right now? Are you... Are you, are you grasping it? If you don't feel like you're hearing God's voice at all, what do you know? What do you know you should be doing? Are you doing it? What do I know I should be doing? Like, for instance, making sure I know the whole story before I go on a rant about it to the internet world. Um, what are you doing? What am I doing? And I just want to, again, affirm God will guide us. God guides us and we're going to make mistakes sometimes innocently sometimes not so innocently we don't have to try it'll just (laughs) we're human it'll happen but God's grace will even use that and make something beautiful out of it and I just I thank God for that for the awesome stories how they draw us in even for our humanity and all its flaws and how God will just shine through the cracks of that for his grace Lord Jesus, thank you for everything. Thank you for using everything. Thank you for shining through us, particularly through our cracks. Lord Jesus, I repent of drawing conclusions before having the most that I can of the story. I repent of that, Lord. I think I do it more often than I like to admit. And um, 
Just work with me on that, Lord. Lord, today I just ask that you show us all an area, a growing edge, Lord. Not that we would feel shame, but that we'd feel conviction and also just that a freeing conviction that we can move forward and saying, okay, God can work in this. I can move forward. And then the ability to offer grace to others, even as we see your grace in our lives, Lord. Thank you for who you are and be glorified in it all in your name. Amen. Be blessed, my friends.